1: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.
0: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make
1: it through. But it's hard to get the breaks near the smaller fish. Cause I love this county so much, you know. It's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because like I, I'm, heart- I'm heartbroken. <laughs>
0: Welcome along to The Hurling Show, it's just me and Brian um, here today. Brian, where I want to start with you straight away, is, I don't know if you watched League Sunday and Jackie Terrell having to address something stupid that he said almost a bloody week ago and here he is going into uh, a big long spiel about how Limerick now are not going to win the All-Ireland when he had said something completely different the week before and it was almost like Joanne Cantwell almost had to apologise for asking him a week later. I, I, this whole thing—I avoided it last week. I refused to ask any of the pundits about it because I couldn't believe it. made such big news that a fella thinks a team is not big tree. Like who? Since when is there even a big tree in hurling? How has this become such a a, a big piece of news in the hurling world?
1: Yes, long news week, definitely. And you did allude to it yourself there in one of the Thursday podcasts. That, you know, hurling just goes silent, so it was just picked up. And Jackie. He he's he's made his stance and he had no choice then last night when, when Joanne spoke to him he couldn't back down so he had to keep going with it as far as he was <laughs> as far as he was pushed so I don't think he'd any choice to say it look there is look it's subjective obviously it's it, it's his own opinion and, and there is a, obviously a lot of statistics backing it up like it is 45 years since they won their first one yeah <laughs> like the law of averages it's going to be pretty hard to win the second one back to back so like, it's not rocket science he's saying here so no. No, I think it's a star but he could being honest and I think he's well justified in a lot of the points he made
0: he looked very uncomfortable when he was speaking trying to justify it but it, this is the thing about it he didn't initially say last week that they weren't going to retain it which is completely understandable like I mean sure the history is Tipperary couldn't do it uh, Clare couldn't do it Galloway couldn't do it they're the three teams outside of the freak that is Kilkenny who consistently did it and obviously Cork did it so that's not outlandish he's saying they're not in the top three he was saying they're, they're not in the top three teams in the country I think which is what he originally said which everybody did kind of get a little bit worked up way too worked up about it then you had other pundits commenting on it and you had Limerick having to respond to it and you had like I mean Jesus it really took on a, a, a life of its own
1: Yeah and look ah, look, I wouldn't get too, too worried away with it I carried away with it I think like the media are just picking up silly things at this time of the year I was just thinking about this morning actually in relation to say we'll go to the rules now we're all present referees for the application of the rules a couple of weeks ago it was, you know, it was a massive thing as well and you know the referees were the worst thing in the world and they were ruining hurling. so look I think this time of the year it's all you know seven day wonder and this law will be forgotten about in another couple
0: of days yeah exactly I do understand the irony of me complaining about this while starting the show talking about it so before anybody starts <laughs> 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 I want to talk about goals here Brian goals 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 and they came in the Clare Wexford game that uh, John Connellan goal was as good as a goal as you'll ever see do you know why because it was a football goal, that's why. This is this is where hurling is taking football's um, tactics, and they're running the ball, they're laying it off to a man running a pace, and then they're throwing it across the goal. So this was beautiful because it was a complete rip off of a football goal. Discuss?
1: No, please. <laughs> For starters, when you get in there, you'll just hand pass it over the bar. So don't even go there with this one. That no talking about football that rule has to go it's such a cop out I've never seen anything like it um, and I'm sure you agree with me on that one it is uh, no look super and it is actually an element and I've been saying it for a while Westford in particular and Clare the running style that's all coming from football tactics That's when I say that that's what I mean it's that running off the shoulder um, you know making sure that runners are coming from deep Yeah, and you've seen both goals you know that that was the, the style of it and Clare in particular are excellent at that and we've said this a few times Tony Kelly in particular when he breaks a tackle it's not just him breaking the tackle and going straight to the centre it's the guys coming off the shoulders which are making the goals and we saw that in last year's Munster final against Cork as well David Reedy was the player that time but you know it's great use of the ball it's selfless hurling and that's so, so that's a joy to watch and from any manager's perspective you know, you, you love that sort of stuff. Actually, Kenny had something similar opportunity against Tipperary yesterday. Porrick Walsh broke straight through the centre and had Billy Ryan coming off the shoulder and you know, Porrick Walsh tapped it over the bar and I was screaming at him, not because I was shouting for Kilkenny, but screaming at him just to do the right thing and pop it inside and that uh, Kenny had a certain goal. And, you know, that's the difference. You know, Clare and these teams are so used to this short game that, you know, the... The in- intricate
0: moves that they're they're just doing that so naturally. Yeah, even Davy Fitzgerald, who like is a wing back, getting up that far, have the presence of mind to say, "Here, I'm going to square this rather than you know tap it over myself." But did Cork not make that running game famous back in 4 or five? Brian Day with the with the O'Connors and Kenny, and they played that running game off the shoulder, which was the first time I'd ever seen it used in hurling.
1: Definitely, and I actually trained under Sir Cunningham, Limerick Sir Cunningham friend does in UL and we played the running game with an average enough team when we actually end up getting to a final on it so it was completely alien to the style of Hurling at the time At uh, Cork back then probably their half-back line used to sit a little bit more Sean Oag um, Ronan Curran John Gardner at the time they, they, they'd break the tackle and offload to, to their two runners Terry O'Connor and Tom Kenny and they were the two boys they were the fulcrum of it all those two boys middle field whereas you see now with Clare like if you said, David, if you start to started up the field, you could see Lee Chin bursting and not to try and get back and face them. Yeah, like, would there be anything worse than that's completely alien to hurling when you see your wing back tearing up the field like that? I know, I know, you're probably used to football, but in hurling, oh my god, it just doesn't
0: happen. Yeah, going, going without the ball like that.
1: Yeah, so it's a nightmare. It is. A, it is a key part of of David Fitz's teams, and that's probably still still the legacy of the of the Clare hurlers at the moment that they're used to that kind of style of, you know, um you know the halfbacks not afraid to venture up the field and you know like, look how far away he was from his own you know his own role that you would say if you're you're playing your 15 uh, normal positions of playing a wing back and and he's breaking through like that but Oh, fair play to him and he's a hard man to stop that guy on and off the team he's a super hurler that they've.
0: yeah I think he is too definitely I think he is he's a big powerful powerful man then we had the Shane Murphy uh, goal which was a thing of absolute beauty Messi scored a goal against Sevilla this weekend and I don't know if you saw it but it was taken on the full yeah. volley like that which is an absolutely sensational goal so it was uh, Conor Macdonald who come on it was a backhand pass Back to one of the O'Connors, and then a hand past the chin, and then he mishit it, and then Murphy just came from nowhere and just flush. I'm wondering how difficult it is to hit a ball coming across like that on the volley. Like, I mean, it's a tiny ball.
1: Yeah, and in fairness to Sean Murphy, like he was, the, he's been their, their go-to sweeper for the last couple of years. More notable as a back, and again another player off up the field. Out, he, he's been playing probably wing back midfield at the moment for Westwood, but goes up the field and catches it, lovely, you said, and bounces keeper had no chance to he had no chance to the net but a beautiful goal um, that's not it's not easy to do I think Pat Horgan scored one of the most delightful goals I've ever seen in a club game uh, you'll often see it on, on YouTube as those the rounds on Twitter um, Pat Horgan a, a line ball against Bally Gunner down in Walsh Park and he catches it just on the volley on the edge of the six yard box and roofs it up into net that's the the quintessential volley if you ever want to watch
0: that right okay did Henry Shefflin get one in an Aller and final uh, off the uh, volley like that
1: No. he got one in a Leinster final Maybe he Leinster. doubled on one against I think it was nearly certain it was the Leinster final against West Rwanda, and he did bat one uh, he, he passed one into DJ and DJ batted mm. one into the net so there has been a few down through the years but uh it's, it's, it's rare you see them they're, they are delightful bro. yeah
0: they are definitely delightful so Clare 13 points up and leave uh, Wexford back into it and straight away it sprung to my mind Kilkenny and Nolan Park last year where they're destroying Kilkenny and they're 11 points up and they have to work very hard for that win as well and uh, I'm just wondering wondering how this happens to Clare like I mean are you so far ahead and I've Uh, this has happened in games I've played in mostly with Port Leash because you would be winning very well and suddenly you go into daydream mode and you're thinking of maybe that night maybe at inter-county level they don't do that now but you can definitely go into daydream mode during the game where you're not concentrating like you would or you might try a fancy pass that you wouldn't and then suddenly the other team get a run on you and it's very very difficult to click back out of the kind of lazy mode that you've got yourself into.
1: Yeah, and I suppose in hurling, like if you just look at that goal that Sean Murphy scored yesterday, there were seven points in at a time. player you know, they were just seeing out the game at the time. Wexford were huffing and puffing; they weren't really making any inroads. But then all of a sudden, seven points to four points—it's just a new game completely. Now you're suddenly going, "Oh God, we're only two scores away!" Yeah, like, and you're not it's ready, got A little that. bit of momentum, yeah, yeah. Whereas in football, even seven back down to four still doesn't seem enough. You know. It's, you know, you can know you can get your blanket defence back there and, and shut out the game and hold on to the ball for a while. Whereas in hurling you, you invariably you do win back the ball and the, the whole momentum seems to swing very quickly. And last year in particular, um, in that league system in, in championship in Leinster and Munster we've seen so many games where teams were eight, nine points up but they weren't safe. Yeah. And it, it is amazing. Like it, it's just a whole momentum swing as you said players do get a little bit probably lazier to try things they wouldn't have tried otherwise and you know it's just you know I just think Hurland's amazing like that the way it can swing and, and goals I suppose essentially it does take a big a big score like that a goal kind of change the whole momentum and, and the crowd can get behind it and
0: as well so like i mean at what point in hurling do you think we're safe here like i mean the you can't like at for example a 10 point lead isn't outlandish to think we we could be like what would you be saying at half time if you're 10 points up against a team that was a 50 50 game before like are you you know are you still thinking there's a good chance these lads could come back into this yeah i
1: think look when you get into to, to double figures i think you're 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 starting to get safe at that stage. But you still have a lot of hurling through. Like, 35 minutes at Inter-County level is huge. Even, even like, um, you know, five, six points is nothing nowadays for, of a lead. You know, you wouldn't be one bit worried about that. A couple of points pulled it back in. I think the big thing, actually, speaking of all these things, when you're on a chase in a team, you have to get you have to get in front. Just getting back to one or two points or even yeah. getting level is not enough. It seems to be that's all the all the energy is almost um, expended by the time you get to the draw you need to get in front by that point or two to try and really see it out that's when a team can actually fold on you all together um, so it is amazing but no I'd never I'd never be overly worried if, as long as you're not more than I suppose 10 points seems to be kind of the figure that you're starting to run into a bit of trouble there when you're trying to pull in that That you know that's you're onto four scores there like you know in terms of you know three goals and a point and three goals will be hard done by but um You know, you tend to be tends to be just a little step too
0: far at ten points. That that that, but that's an interesting point in when you're on the chase and you're trying to peg back a lead and like you have it back to one and you've done so much work and then the other team gets just a point. So now you have to get now suddenly you have to get three. You know what I mean? They they when you have a big lead, you only need to chip away at two or three points to make the comeback really really difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and invariably, then teams will throw so much at it. And, and they've just expended all their energy a couple of minutes to go you might get a breakaway goal or as you said a point or two and it just finished. we kind of saw it yesterday with Limerick and Cork as well yesterday Limerick made a big comeback yeah. Cork just steadied it in the 70th, 71st minute get a point or two and next minute it's two or three pints it's just oh, the, the energy's just gone out of you. you know you've just exuded all avenues of destiny
0: Yeah Do you mention the, that uh, game Lee Hand scored a goal like I mean we don't you know short puck outs when they completely go wrong and we don't often see it from Limerick But like, I mean, uh, Tom Condon won't want to see that again. So he took the short puck out. And for some strange reason, he went running straight for Seamus Harnady and kind of got himself blocked up instead of going into open ground and then panicked and threw it back. I think it was to Finn and then went missing on Leehan and that was the end of the game then.
1: Yeah, strange decision. I don't know why he ran. I agree with you now. I don't know why he ran back into contact because the whole other side of the field was wide it was open Wide open, making a couple of yards. And when you are under pressure, look, there's nothing wrong with it. Lamp is like, you know, I know we're all looking for perfect hurling, but it's like almost in soccer, you know, you see some of the, 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 the full backs trying to do fancy stuff, there's time to just put it out over the sideline. You know, it's something similar in hurling There's just time comes a time will you just get rid of the ball, get out of the danger zone. So, so it's a strange strange thing to do unless they have some sort of tactic tactic that they do want to draw the contact and look for the runner coming off the shoulder um, something not exactly the same but I do know Kilkenny years ago we, who won the analysis won, one of the times we did actually use analysis against, <laughs> um, against teams um, we looked at Kilkenny and we found that if you showed them the sideline you expect nine times out of ten you expect players to go down the side but Kilkenny were unbelievable at turning back inside you right. and hitting what, what you would almost expect you know your weak shoulder because you'd be expecting them to go down the line and then always cut inside and look for contact so that was a clear tactic uh, by Kikkeni down to the year. So maybe that's something similar with Limerick that they're actually looking for this contact and expecting
0: them to get through it, and why so, would um, why would Kenny have wanted the contact in that situation? I understand definitely a lot of tactics, even in football, is to show them down the line. And if you're going down the line, your options are seriously limited. So I'd always want to be cutting back in the field where you've got a few. You know what I mean? You're giving the fella a pass to a lot more options than what you would on the sideline. And wondering why they want the contact, or they're just actually trying to cut in field.
1: It's just to cut in field, obviously, yeah. because if you, as you said, you know the back invariably is showing you down the line. You know, so that's that. As you said, that's the the, the least dangerous place where if you can you like look. We'll, we'll call your bluff there now, and we'll actually go go at you where you least expect it. Right. You know, so maybe, maybe there is something in that in Limerick as well that they actually do try to draw draw the um draw the contact and then. Are so used to contact that they're able to offload the ball to a man completely free. Then at that stage, yeah, maybe it almost did. happened yesterday, but it just broke down. Obviously,
0: yeah, it definitely looked strange when he, when he ran straight for him. What did you make of the Billy Ryan free, where the referee said he swung back to hurl? I didn't, I'd never seen that before, and I didn't think there was much in it. But I can after the referee made so many gestures of what he was given to free for, on the replay, then I kind of I kind of saw what he meant.
1: Yeah, I was doing commentary in that actually in Turner's and everyone was perplexed, couldn't understand what happened, and it must have been from the angle he was looking at, because when you'd look at the at the replay of it, he okay, Billy Ryan went into contact, went to try and swing back, you know, and use his right hand as you would do to push him off just to buy that yard of space, and it just maybe from the from the angle that Johnny Murphy was looking at, he thought that he actually hit him in the head. Um, but no there was nothing in that but in fairness to Johnny Murphy he did get a hell of a lot right yesterday he, he just he did get that one wrong though to
0: be fair Right okay another one I want to mention out of that match to you was a classic and it's happened to me in matches and it's almost like a Christmas present where you get a shoulder and it might even be a, a hard shoulder, but it knocks you in the direction that you're actually looking to go in. So it happened with Walter Walsh in the first half. I'd say Walter never ran as fast in his life. You might remember it. It ended up with a yes. Parick Por- Walsh wide, um, where he should have scored. So I think it was Michael Breen hit him. And Michael Breen's a big block of a man, but he dro- it was on the forty-five. Yeah. But he drove Walter back towards the Tipperary goal.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah, and Breen, yeah, two big men, Walter Walsh is humongous, and to see him yesterday, um, it was a great battle between him and and Parikmar, tit for tat, and uh, Savage, it was worth the the admission alone, but, you know, as you said, that's a sweet shoulder to get, and you're not going to, you know, Michael Breen might knock a lot of players, but you're not going to knock Walter Walsh too simple, and it just, as you said, opened up, acres of space from in the middle of Turles he could have had a shot himself threw it off to park, Walsh and you would have expected park to score that Park actually got two points in play and could have had four or five actually um, he's, after getting a new lease of life he's definitely saying to Cody hey, don't ever even consider putting me back full back again um, he's doing everything he can, he was shooting at every opportunity yeah. he could to try and make sure that he's not put back in there.
0: Ah, uh, he's electric though He's it's such such a waste when you when you see that, you know what I mean, but uh, we'll talk about that in performance at the weekend so there was no highlights of the match in Parnell Park which ended in a little bit of controversy in that there was a penalty given and it looked like there was no penalty at all. So it was a long-hopeful ball by Austin Gleeson. You know, back to the wall, we need a goal here. Darrow O'Connell and Tommy Ryan were lying in the ground wrestling each other, and Fergal Horgan interpreted it to be a penalty. So the Dublin were going absolutely um, off their heads. Then to rub salt in the woods, he actually sends off O'Connell, what appeared to be a straight red card, and this was because O'Connell, it looks like, did too much complaining um, just that, is there anything more frustrating for a player to get a bad decision given against you and then to get sent off for giving out about this bad decision? It's like a double like a, a a double bloody whammy. And then you have Alan Nolan who saves the who saves the penalty. So like I mean there was a whole load of um controversy. It would have been nice to have got a package of that now. I know you're dyed in the wool or man now doing all their co commentaries and everything, so <laughs> you won't you won't want to criticize League Sunday. Here.
1: <laughs> no, but you would—I know you would have liked to have seen actually um, highlights of that. Like that was the only big game in one B. So uh, you know, look, a lot of the other games are—you are, know—they're not great to be looking at from in terms of the quality compared to the other games. But Dublin, Dublin, and Waterford was one of the key ones that I would have liked to seen—you um, know—a bit on that. But going back to getting booked for for Mount with the referee, I got booked years ago myself. And I think it was actually led to the final thousand four were given out to the referee, but all my mates um, are convinced that I was booked for diving. So I just want to put that on record: I was booked for house, not for diving.
0: Um, maybe you're a mountain about to dive, maybe or something.
1: <laughs> maybe that was it, but uh, yeah, no. Um, Dublin, like in fairness to them, I did say it to you last week. I didn't understood why uh, why it didn't go at all the way because there's only a couple of big games in this one B league, and um, you know they seem to put out a much stronger team. And they you know they went for Waterford. And Waterford didn't put up a great score, being honest. You know, it you know the three-three score there at one stage in the first half. It was just poor scoring, and then. Um, you know they almost snuck it but by all accounts Dublin were, were by far the most impressive you know one, I think it was 126 yeah. football, I think it was Yeah. So like that's that's serious shoot yeah so when you see when you see you a scoreline they, line, they yeah. still have a few more like to come in you know
0: yeah when you see a scoreline like that it kind of tells the story that goals were just keeping keeping one team in it Maddie Kenny says he didn't see it like all good managers I didn't see it so he's talking about the incident so uh I thought that that was a good one Ye have to do us a favour now With Carlo And that Like I know that I do take your point That the Waterford Dublin game Was the big game But I thought Leash Carlo Like I mean When you're talking about Giving other teams A little bit of the limelight This was a really big game Because the winner It was really winner takes all To get into a quarter final And it was a local derby And it was two teams that maybe deserved a little bit of a package as well. Now, obviously, in fairness to League Sunday, they had a double show last night, which was you know r- really difficult to get everything into that time. I just think like seventeen all. Um, Carla got a, la- a, a very late score to equalise it up, and obviously, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of of that potentially, even for the players themselves. But uh, see, Offley now have to beat Carlo, and I actually think Offley will beat Carlo. I think they'll do Leash, Leash a favour. I can't see Offley wanting to lose to snappers Carlo, you know, after maybe comments that were made. I know that's not the Carlo panel, but at the same time, there's tradition there, and Carlo just don't beat Offley, and that's the reality of it. So I have a, fi- I have a feeling Offley could beat Carlo in that one. Hard to
1: know, being honest. It seemed. The first half was poor yesterday against Galway. They battled hard. They had only four points on the on the board, but there was an extremely strong wind, and they did come back into the game for a large periods the second half. But they're getting better every week. But unfortunately, you know it's still not anywhere near enough. I I don't know. I, being honest, I'm a, I, I've been be, be beaten down a little bit at the moment. So I'm a little bit pessimistic in terms of Offaly's uh, future. I'm usually so hugely optimistic, but. Uh, so I won't be holding out a whole pile of... depends. it would literally depend what team he puts out depends what way Kevin approached it whether he's going to put it all into the game the week after um, in terms of the relegation game and maybe look at the Carlo game as, as giving a few guys a run out. So it, it really depends on what his take on on the whole
0: game is. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're hoping you can do us a favour, anyway. Before we move on into no, part well, two, we
1: won't be doing the you now, will
0: you? <laughs> that one. I can't imagine you would be. I can't imagine you would be. As a lesser of two evils, maybe we are. Which would be more evil? At least would probably be more evil for than Carlo. Yeah, Carlo were on the other side. Um, yeah, because we'll talk to Tipa, talk about Tipperary, Kenny, in the next part. But just on that game, Kildonan um, was having a nightmare on the freeze. And Jason Ford took over. Um, I'm just wondering, like Seamus Callan was given the freeze for the year. Now he wasn't. He, I think he'd missed uh, three frees. He'd missed one from play. Um, Sheedy said after the game, "Everyone has days like that as a player or free taker. Seamus will work through it and get back to the high standards." He said himself, "No ma- better man to do it." As a free taker, would you be put out by that, or did Sheedy decide that, or did the two players amongst themselves decide it? It was actually
1: a strange one in that. The first free Tipperary got was a close in free. Cannon tapped over the bar. The next free was 60 yards out, and Jason Ford actually took it. That was in the first half. So it obviously had been decided beforehand that any long range freeze Jason Ford was now going to hit. Um, And that happened, it just so happened to be at the last two Tipperary games. It happened down in Wexford Park the week before. Cannon missed a couple of frees as well. And Jason Ford went out and hit a really good free into the wind from about 70, 70 yards out. So obviously Sheedy had made a slight change to the to the order then for the game yesterday. And then Jamie missed. Yeah, he'd missed three. So he just I suppose he said, right, Jason Ford can take over from there. Um, but would that be Jason, a tough one? I think
0: would it be Jason Ford and Callan saying themselves kind of, or would it be too much comp- competition between those two? Do you think to for them, you know, not for him to relinquish them to Ford?
1: Yeah, I th- I'd say Sheedy probably called it himself because right. as a as a, a free taker yourself, it's it's a tough one because you need to almost know your number one. I know you can say healthy um, healthy competition is good for you and all that, but you you need that complete confidence of the whole panel where they're going. Oh look, you missed that one. Don't worry about it. You'll score the next one. You know, so yeah. it's a, it's a tough mindset of a free taker, um, and you need that kind of burning confidence within yourself at all times. I mean if someone breathing down your neck it can actually it can actually make it worse. And I think we saw that similar enough in Galway a couple years ago with, with Cooney and Canning. You know, Cooney was flying it on the freeze and Canning wasn't about but then Canning came back in and it's you know, what do we do? Do we leave Cooney on him? Do we not? And you know Andy Cunningham at the time didn't put Joe Canning back on him for a while and then you know Dunu came back in and said, Right, actually do you know what, Joe Canning's number one and that's it. Simple as that. So I think that's what Sheedy has done from the outset. So I think he'll definitely get another chance at him next weekend, but um he'll he'll have to probably up his horn rate from that perspective. But look, Shami is more than capable. He uh, he's actually been a little bit unlucky in that he, he misrose a couple of them, um and that can really affect it. So All right. you know, your strike straight after that. That particularly the first one he missed he he it. It is it is important. So different free taking styles. You see so many players now actually balancing the ball in the hurdle they're fouling it and I, that's actually something I'd like to see pulled up um, Alan Murphy was yesterday for K- K- Kenny D'Amour Burns always fouls the ball every time he rises it he holds it on the hurdle for ages uh, Pat Horgan border line as well so there is a few hurlers actually at it
0: Right okay when you rise it is that a concentration thing or is that the pitch or what is it?
1: Could be it's, it's generally the pitch um, actually my own style of free deck and I used to stand over the ball similar to say what Jamie used to do but actually I changed to standing back from the ball simply because uh, if if at least when you're standing back from the ball and you step into it if you do it, you can move your feet uh, and you're coming from behind the ball whereas when you're standing over it and you misrise it you could be gone ahead of the ball Okay. so, uh, so I actually changed my style at a young enough age to take that into account
0: and so when, when they're some of them roll the, the hurl over the ball and get it up that way <laughs> and others kind of jab under it and throw it up there What what's the difference between those two techniques or, or? Just, well,
1: totally your own preference it's whatever you got used to to the practice and some you know you, you, you'll talk to both of those guys and they'll tell you totally different things I jab it personally but as I said I stand back from the ball so I'm jabbing it to, to, uh, you couldn't roll rise the way I hit it and some guys when they stand over the ball they have they, they have the choice and whichever works best for them it tends to be uh, roll rising you kind of have to be an open side hurler so if you're a right handed hurler you'd have to hit it on your, your right side um, it's a lot harder if you're hitting it say backhanded or your left side if you're if you're roll rising it right, depends right. What, so it depends what hurl you have in your, or sorry, which which uh, hand your hurl is in and which side you actually hit it
0: off Right, okay, because I often see Shane Dowling's free-taking technique where I think, does he jab under it but he throws it right up there like and hits it at a high point and I'm thinking, geez, he's making life pretty difficult <laughs> for it looks like a very difficult technique that he uses for the free-taking
1: so again, he's trying to get the ball high so he can move his feet, to balance his feet,
0: that's, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: that's the key thing. So you're trying to you're generating your your power with your feet, um, you know. So you don't want to, obviously there is arm action, but you don't want too much arm action either. You're gonna you're gonna pull across the ball. So he's trying to find that balance every single time that you hit the ball. If you know it's Dowling and this is a key thing, like whether you're twenty yards out or sixty yards out, you should be trying to hit the ball the same way every time. Right. Um, so you're trying to drive through the ball. So you know that's why you often see Dowling driving the ball out over the back net. You know, sometimes he's acting the maggot. Um, <laughs> but uh but generally, you know, that's why the ball goes so far behind the goal and you need the, the back stoppers. And I remember being taught that at a young age that, you know, don't don't ever try this just tap it over the bar from Party yards out because that's when you you know you won't follow through enough and, and you won't get a clean strike in the box.
0: Yeah, we loved them in a the more park when we were young lads because we'd be legging it out the back into the backfield to to rob the slitter. Then when when you'd have lads that would like to clear the back the back net
1: yeah there's many a young lad has, has
0: plenty of bag of slitters I tell you from that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah drive it high and long and we'll be ready it'll be a race between about 20 young fellas down to get this slitter <laughs> war then <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll come back and we'll look at the Kilkenny tip game Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because (laughs) there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. Um, But But let Jamie talk at a at a Hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a Hurley
1: launch, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, there's a media ban if he can't talk at that. Absolutely not. I think you
1: guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes. You know. Okay. But But Aaron, Aaron you're living like the rest
0: of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then Uh, he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think
1: he's carrying a mixed message. And
0: the music the moment Salim like so Sheedy said on league Sunday last night he was interviewed after the game and he went very disappointed lose to our and then he kind of slight pause and then went Neighbours Kilkenny where I'd say there was another uh, ending to that sen- <laughs> sentence that he would li- he might have liked to put in there. But like, I mean, this would be worrying for Tipperary. Again, we have to remember that this is only the league. There's a full month for April and then there's the real business. But I have a feeling Tipperary are trying to target this league and get back to winning ways and, you know, get it back on track. So, uh, like looking at the bigger picture, it, they can't panic too much. But Jesus, I'd say internally or privately Liam sheedy has gone Jesus we need a win here
1: yeah and it's like they've forgotten how to win the big games at this stage yeah they really should have won yesterday now they came late they went 13 9 down they scored six in a row to go 15 13 up they had a couple of chances I actually turned around to the commentator with me and i said do you know what tip tip're going to see this out now because you looked looked have you know run out of all kind of options at this stage and I put, I don't know they just seem to as I said forgotten how to win these games just grab the bull by the horns and just get over the line and you know it is disappointing. and they didn't get enough outer forwards essentially they still have problems they still have a lot of things to answer now being honest and there's a huge kind of almost arrogance about Tip hurling like you know, they, you know you'd know, swear to work to Kenny the way they've won All-Ireland's year in year out like, yeah. but they're, don't get me wrong these guys are serious hurlers but they still have only won two Ireland in the last 10 years you know
0: yeah it's not like they so they like it. maybe it is a psychological thing they've won one of of their last nine competitive games. This is a terrible run they're in and like i mean when it when a team is on a, a terrible run. Of games like that, you'd imagine maybe the manager might come in and make wholesale changes and really try to put his own stamp on it. But Sheedy hasn't really done that. So like James Barry, Ronan Maher, Seamus Kennedy, Porrick Maher were all in the backs. Snow McGrath, Bonner Maher, Michael Breen, Bubbles Dwyer, Jason Ford, Callan and Niall Maher. He's really sticking with the t- with the players who are on this awful run of form. Yeah, and these aren't
1: the guys I'm talking about being arrogant. Like these guys are honest and they are giving it everything year in year out for Tipperary but there's no one else putting their hand up really you know the the 1-1-21 I learned last year there's not too many going to come in off that team to make make the step up um, so yeah I think they're in a little bit of trouble they've gone back to James Barry a full back park McMahon centre back but the square pegging around the hole and Maher corner back that's
0: not, not, not
1: working I don't think it's not going to work no. to Being be honest I know last week against Westford when Westford played their sweeper allowed Ronan Maher to go centre back and to sit in, in the pocket and sweep Look, that's grand. That's more natural. But I don't think it's going to work with him a cornerback. So they still have a couple of things to answer. There's no sign of Cottle Barrett since up around the league. So uh, he hasn't been on the panel. So maybe he's been injured at the moment. Um, they do need to get game time into him. And But I think they have a bit of a problem in, in midfield as well. They brought Noel McGrath to midfield. Maybe to try and get him out and get into a bit of loose play. And he did get a couple of points yesterday but there's no one else really stepping up at midfield Michael Breen is you know been hit or miss but so he did he did play centre forward yesterday What about so the young
0: lad from the under 21s like I mentioned him in the preview show he's a real fast direct player who scored a goal Did he, he scored a goal in the Gaelic grounds was that, was that in the final he's a real uh, he's a real kind of ball of energy I can't think of his name now
1: the Willie Connors by any chance? Yeah. No, could have been, but um, yeah, like, yeah, again, look, they need, but they need to get these guys playing consistently. Willie Connors is on on and off the last couple of games, but I suppose they essentially, you know, there's a couple of these players are getting chances, but they need to take them as well. Like you yeah. know, it, you know, it, essentially, it does come back to the players themselves. Like Bonner were playing there yesterday. Again, he's been there around a long time, real honest player, but. I don't think he touched the ball yesterday. He had no influence on the game whatsoever.
0: I don't think. Bon- I think Bonner is a traditional man who will win a puck out, who will break on to a break from a puck out. But the kind of the the short hand pa- or the short stick passing game, I don't think is Bonner Maher's forte at all.
1: No, definitely not. And the game again has moved on a lot. Where you don't really have a place for you know that kind of dog anymore. You know, and under- the yeah. rest of them will do the scoring. Unfortunately, and that's why I'm retired. You have to be both a dog and be able to score. So, um, you know, you need to be a jack of all trades up there in, in the forwards at the moment. So, I think, yeah, Bonner at the moment, maybe he's just going through a bad on the farm, but he's doing neither at the moment.
0: When you looked at the game, though, like I mean, it was a poor enough game, and you you pass your minds back to maybe ten years ago when you had Owen Kelly and Lark Harbid, and you had Henry Shefflin and Eddie Brennan and Owen Larkin, and all, Richie Power, all these legendary players and Tipperary and Kilkenny played out some unbelievable league games. And like you look through the Kilkenny team, like, I mean, how Kilkenny went down and beat Tipperary and Thurles with like young Murphy in midfield, you'd John Donnelly, you'd Walter Walsh, fair enough he'd be on it. You'd you had Malone on the other on the wing that we wouldn't know much about. Um you'd Billy Ryan, you'd Lean Blanchfield and Mar- you'd Martin Keown Like we're 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 talking about a a a very, very inexperienced um, Kilkenny team going to Tipperary and beating a much stronger on paper Tipperary team
1: yeah and being honest I thought the boys were talking a little bit of rubbish last night they were going on about you know Kilkenny and Tip in Turles it's the litmus test for any Tip and Kilkenny teams sorry now but he's, and Jackie you're talking about the top three at the moment neither of these teams are in the top three so I don't know if this is the big fixture that it was no. four or five years ago N- so I think there were you know I think they were given a little bit too much respect last night. Until um, he, well, there was a, game, it was a yeah, said. it was
0: a Tipman and a Kilkenny man. So your ballot is yeah, obvious for exactly. yeah.
1: And, and look, they were both of them were involved in these massive games, and you know, I, I, I was down at some of them, and they were savage games, yeah, huge intensity. But well, that that's, that's Tip and Kilkenny have fallen off that pace at the moment, so it, it's not your litmus test at the moment. And as you said, that Kilkenny team was very ordinary. Um, Now they're working hard And they're honest And they're obviously Decent hurlers But in terms of That real top quality At the moment Like they got Limerick wiped the floor At them the week before And we were Eulogising about Limerick Last week And how far were off. Obviously they responded And they did respond In the right fashion But at the same time They were still there To be beaten yesterday They weren't They weren't fantastic They just were honest And they kept going And they kept themselves In the game and they ground it out but it didn't it's not like they, they went and scored 220 yesterday or anything they never they'd only one half goal chance that I alluded earlier they'd no other shot on goal and neither team had been honest so you know it was it was enjoyable because it was tight and uh, and stuff so it wasn't the worst game of Hurling I was ever at but at the same time it did lack a little bit of quality for for what you expect from Kilkenny and Tipperary
0: Well that's the thing and like I mean you have to just give Kilkenny to some credit even though I did call out their team there and like I mean I'm not going to lie the names don't blow you away on paper like I mean they're young fellas and they're gamey but it's not like they're young legends in the making coming up through the ranks like I mean for them to to be able to turn it around after Tipperary getting a run of 6 points in a row to go 15-13 up and Kilkenny were dead in the water at that stage now Lahey and Richie Hogan made a huge impact um, off the bench, they were both excellent, and like I mean, they're guaranteed starters for me and the Kilkenny team. But the Kilkenny are just Kilkenny, and they're never beaten, and it's just some quality in them.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And actually, I was looking at a statistic yesterday when Cody started in '99, the league was in Tipperary's uh, between the fixers between Tipperary and Kilkenny, it was in Tipperary's favour 26 to 16 and yesterday saw Kenny go in front 33-32 right. so he's completely turned it around so it just shows how much of an impact um, Cody has had on that Kenny team obviously but how much can Kenny have had it over Tipperary over the last number of years as well and you know Tip just at the moment don't know how to win you know you're alluding to it already they don't know how to win these tight games at the moment over the last year or two but they definitely don't know how to win them against Kilkenny
0: Definitely don't so Cody must have said when he took over that he wants to knock Tipperary off their fucking perch or whatever (laughs) 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 but that's it so where do Tipperary go from here like I mean uh, Brendan Cummins said last night uh, like I don't, I don't know if this is the fix. He said the first time Sheedy took over, they needed a, a good win away to to snap them out of it. Like, I mean, is that is it is easy a fix as that? or Tipperary have an identity crisis, a leaders crisis, and uh, like winning the tight games crisis.
1: Um. Yeah, I think. Look, I think he has inherited problems, Sheedy. To be fair, so he is trying to to figure out his best fifteen. You know, we've hit a few of these points. They're not getting a huge amount of players stepping up consistently to, to, you know, to get on that first fifteen, then as well. And then he, he needs to figure out essentially where do you play Maher because he's brilliant, like he's he is exceptional. But if you play him centre back, that means Roanamar is not centre back. So you need you need to find the balance. And we're trying him full back as well. So like, what do you do with Maher as well? Do you just play him wing back, similar to where Tommy Walsh was? With Kenny, best best hurler in, in in the game, and just leave him there, like you know, and yeah. he win everything in in that that side of the field, and and drive forward and get you a point or two, probably from wing back as well. It allows one to be more more in the, more at home at centre back. So, it it it. There's a couple of questions to answer, I think, still. And Jamie Canlan, while he was excellent against Clare, uh, he's been very hit or miss of late as well because I saw him two weeks previous in the Munster League against Clare he never got a puck at it he was poor against Wexford even though he got a, a, a you know he, he was at the end of a move and got a goal and a, and I a, got a one good pint. so he's only chipping in with about a pint from play at the moment um, and I think, I still think they need to get more from him as well and so Sheedy then has made a big call and you've, you've said this in the list of the three but he said Callan's my main man he's captain he's full forward everything's going to go through him and last year that was Jason Ford, and he was unbelievable last year. His scoring rates, both from play and from from freeze last year, were were phenomenal. And then Jason Ford's been on periphery now for for most of this league. Like he was, he he was, you know, he was completely anomalous yesterday. And you know, I think they need to get more from him. The one good thing they saw yesterday was Bubbles. Bubbles chipped in with yeah. four points, and I know you'll you'll talk about him later on. But that's the first sign of him producing anything now in, in the last couple of
0: years yeah no definitely see the Tipperary the game plan was blown out of the water by Galway in the league final two years ago they put Cotillmanian on Porek Maher and ran him all over the field And they hammered Tipperary in that final and then Cork saw this so Cork ended up putting Luke Mead or somebody on him and I was at that game in Turles and he ran Padraig Maher ragged and Lehan ran Ronan Maher all over the place and exposed him for pace and I don't think they've ever the Tip defence have ever recovered for that I don't know does every team try to do this on them now where like obviously Kilkenny didn't do it yesterday when they had Walter Walsh and maybe that's why it was such a great battle with uh, with Paharik Maher but Paharik Maher don't like Mark and fellas who are going to run them all over the place
1: No and I agree with you but this is where in modern day Ireland why are they being exposed so much why is the Tipperary midfield and half forward so far away from them Right you know you, you, the to go, you go to Limerick, like Limerick's half hour, We talked about this before. Limerick's half forwards drop so deep. Kenny used to do it in the pump. They drop so deep. Galway's half forwards are constantly working back in the midfield, working back as well. So it does come back to the to their half forward line in midfield. I think System, they did man. that really well against against Clare in particular in the league. Um, so they need to they need to tighten up that midfield area and make a battleground out of it. Because if it gets into a battle in that area that's where Paris Maher and Ronan Maher are going to come to
0: the fore right ok what did you make of the free at the end like I mean uh, Liam Sheedy says Pawdy thought it wasn't a pick up whether it was or it wasn't it ended up being the winning score I don't know how Pari could argue it wasn't a pick up now obviously it, and it happens in football as well you'll probably know yourself by how you catch the ball it might have been a centimetre off the ground cause, because of the weight of it but like I mean for for anybody watching it it was a clear pick up off the ground Now, it, it might not have been you know what I mean, but it was too close. Yeah, to yeah. To get away, yeah, can yeah, get you're away. With
1: convinced it. as a player, you didn't do it. Yeah, and there's no one going to change your opinion. Um, yeah, look, it just it was unfortunate because it was it was, you know, Potty had played you know fairly well now. To be fair to him, so it wasn't. But look, some free for Owen Murphy wasn't it? Um, he had nailed it, and he nailed one on the other side of the field just before that as well. Hilariously, when his brother Alan was still on the field, there was another free back another ten meters, and Alan waved to Owen. To go away from it, and uh, <laughs> Alan pocketed wide. So I was actually saying it at the time. No, when you're actually playing out the field, you just know that an outfield f- player is going to force it in that situation where a goalie is used. He's used to the, the whole game, you know, opening his shoulders and, and driving the ball. So uh, in those situations, sometimes you are better leaving it to the goalkeeper.
0: And what about Alan then? How good is he? Like, I mean, was that his debut? I don't remember hearing about him before. No, he
1: played. No, he played a lot of last year. Uh, corner forward, actually. Oh. So, uh, he plays in the forwards for his club Glenmore, so he, he's more. At home up there, he he's honest. He works hard. In fairness to him, um, probably just a, a step below the, the the standard that they need at the moment in Kenny. But you know, look in fairness to him, he he frees really well. He was busy around middle of the field, but I think when they when they have all their, their top hurlers back, I, 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 I would see him struggling to make that first fifteen.
0: All right, okay. So was the the whole mood around Terliss uh, kind of very low after the game? Like, I mean, what are people saying as you're walking down? Because you were doing the match. I presume you were parked down around the square and you're walking down with them. Or the Tipperary fans are very difficult to please. Like, I mean, they are a, they're a, a kind of you've alluded to it they have an arrogance about them and some people might wonder where, where, whether they deserve to have that arrogance or not but they, they have it whether you like it or not like are they giving out
1: no they're still behind Sheedy at the moment and there was a, a lot of them came onto the field afterwards and you know there was, they, they were getting behind the team whenever they could you know whenever the, the team gave them reasons to shout especially yes. when Bubbles got that point in the first half the place erupted and you know coming down the home stretch from Tipperary we were scoring those points you know the really were behind them. So they know it's a work in progress. I think they they realised last year how far they were off it. And you know, they're they're still hopeful that Sheedy could turn it around. But they have a lot of work to do and all Ireland I think is a little bit beyond their reach this year. I think I think Sheedy should obviously go go for it. He will be going for it. But um if he wants Silverware I think the league is gone now. The Munster Munster uh, league final he missed out on as well fair wiped the floor them that day. So he's he's down to two trophies now, it's Munster and not Ireland and um look there's nothing to say they can't do it, but I think it it's improbable.
0: I saw a weird one last night before we move on to performance of the weekend. They put up the league table in division one on League Sunday and Limerick had a plus, I think it was about sixteen score difference. And 16, every yeah. every other team, sixteen, every other team was in the <laughs> was in the minuses. I thought that was a weird one.
1: Yeah, that was mental, actually. I, I did notice that yesterday. Um to think that, you know, the other teams are all on four points. Limerick are only on, they're only on six points. It's yeah. not like they're they're way ahead, <laughs> no. unbeaten or anything. And the rest of the teams obviously are, are chipping in. It's so up and down. Look, I, some people are saying it's been a, a poor league. There's not not a lot to play for. But, you know, it just shows that in the top seven or eight teams, there is not much between them, you know.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely not. All right, come here. We'll come back and we'll do Paddy Power performance of the weekend.
1: tough. It's it, it, to There's no point in uh, pampering over like, like that. It is, it is extremely tough. I won't to But again, it's not about me or Morris or anyone else. It's about Waterford. We waited so long. I know I seen one of your tweets yesterday. said like six years. It's <laughs> your leash, man. But it's a long six years for us there. And we're absolutely thrilled I remember after the Pencil Final night, it was Tuesday morning. and My nephew was out in the lawn and he was faking freeze with his socks pulled up pretending to be TJ Reid. And he uh, <laughs> <laughs> fairly brought me back down to, to earth that day, anyway.
0: Right, Paddy Power Performance of the weekend, and the first nomination is Tim O'Mahony. So, we only saw highlights of this one, but one thing I was interested in finding out off you why Brendan Cummins was so surprised to see him pulling on a puck out. Is this so old school that this just doesn't happen anymore? That, like, I mean, everybody just puts their hand up and you don't have to worry about getting the clatter. I think Tim O'Mahony actually broke his hurl pulling across a whole group of lads. Like, I mean, it's definitely a throwback. I remember seeing it a lot in the 90s and early 2000s, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's definitely at inter-county level now at this stage not not too many do it you know uh, frequently there, there is times and time that they will do it but I suppose in highlights package you're just picking out one or two things but I like Tim O'Matney I think he's a fine hurler he's big he's rangy he's able to score um, you know so he he's a fine hurler. and uh, clearly he's not afraid to mix it because you know, he pulled his hurl yesterday and, you know, he met Jack O'Connor with a right shoulder a couple of weeks ago against Wexford as well. So yeah. he's laying down a marker there. For a young player, you love to see that little bit of bite in him. And he, he certainly is doing that. So oh, he definitely does. He's, he's, he's a good joke.
0: He is. He's a funny kind of a run on him, doesn't he? Like, I mean, he's gangly.
1: Yeah, he is. He's, but he's rangy. He's, yeah, he's, he's rangy. never really caught too much, not cut not too much for pace. So, again, the, there was a the debate here last week of, you know, what should they do against the likes of Claire, you know does he sit in the pocket or, or, or you know what happens from that perspective if he's going to sit in the pocket
0: that's where your midfield and half-hour line have to come back and protect him yeah come back and give him a handout yeah no I like I like him I have to say Danny Sutcliffe so where's Danny Sutcliffe been for the last few years is what the question I want to ask so he's like I mean he dropped off the panel with Jer Cunningham said he was going away travelling like I mean reading between the lines there he didn't have much time for Ger, for Jer Cunningham um, he scored four points from play yesterday and for me he's gone off the boil nearly since that kind of thing with Cunningham where he took the year out but he was playing centre-forward yesterday and he was marking Austin Gleason. And Austin Gleason was doing the centre back holding the middle thing. So he had a free roll and he ran a muck. He got four from play. He directly assisted another 1 2. And he was fouled for two of O'Shane O'Rourke's tally of 11. So, like, I mean, you're looking at four from play, another 1 4. He's looking at directly involved with 1 8 here. Yeah, oh,
1: so gives class, to be fair to him. And that that is the medicine for someone like Austin Gleason at centre back. Put a score on him you know that you'd just you'd lick your lips at that I'll be honest yeah. um, I know Austin Leach is going to hit a few balls but he's going to be so preoccupied with chasing the ball and wanting to hit himself and there he's scoring himself that it's just it, it's exactly the thing to do where Sutcliffe could have been marked tightly by, by one of the wing backs and maybe you know would have had to work an awful lot harder and the other thing is centre forward gets more chances and he's in threat to the goal <laughs> like it's, it's not rocket science really like you know um you know, if you offload the ball to those centre forwards that are lively, you know, they'll, they'll get great chances. It's complete. And this is to, to the old st- style centre forwards. You stand in and break up the centre back and pull in it and keep it moving. But uh, I think teams over the last number of years have begun to, to realise that centre forwards, um, it's a great place to play. I love it myself and uh, it's where you can get an awful lot of scores from. But to go back to Sutcliffe himself, he obviously burst onto the scene a number of years ago. It was fantastic. He roasted, which is not too often this happened. He roasted Tommy Walsh on a few occasions, pure yeah. from speed and pace, and just powerful running. and Obviously, able to score as well, and probably that was a little bit of a throwback to that yesterday. So, look, I think same thing. I think he probably needs to build his confidence up. When you do walk away from the county game, I'm sure it's hard enough to get back into it because it's it's such a it's such a step up in level.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, like on the flip side of that is Austin Gleeson not completely wasted there like a brilliant uh, forward who can do special things then suddenly getting a roast in the centre back that maybe the, no, maybe Burko when he comes back would be a lot more comfortable in that holding centre half back role than might not be as spectacular but you know is Austin Gleason completely wasted there getting roasted yeah, by a fella he, Gleason's
1: problem is he's so good he's been tried everywhere and probably under 8 he used to play a lot, a lot of center back, when you in the centre-back so he's able to play anywhere he started out as a young wing forward just because he was you know he was 18 years of age coming onto the team and he was just a brilliant talent and, and you know he scored one of the best goals ever seen in Turles against Cork a couple of years ago so he's just a fantastic talent but it's where do you play him he had a free reign the last couple of years um, with Waterford and he's he's probably frustrating to hurl with because he will shoot from anywhere yeah. um, not not necessarily the best team player at times um, so I'd say they're trying to find out well where do we actually play Austin Gleason because it's it's a hard one we have something similar obviously he's not he's not at the same level as Austin Gleason. but we have something similar with Keelan Kiley here an awfully similar type of player big rangy, can strike it off both sides and it's just you know what is actually his best position I think they need to find one for Austin Gleason. And just, you know, leave him there and let him let him be the best he can be in that particular position.
0: Yeah, that's the problem because we saw him at centre half forward and definitely against Cork anyway, Cork end up putting a corner back at centre half back and man marking him. So the poor Rustin Gleason's so good that he doesn't even get that bloody free rein that a lot of centre half forwards get.
1: No, definitely not. And the other side of it then is it's it's how you counteract that with Waterford because what if at that time we're probably playing only one inside in the full forward line? but if they're playing a little bit more traditional, um, and if they've two or three inside, at least they should be able to, to, to counteract that move a little bit better. And if Austin Gleason's been marked tightly, you know he can create space and be selfless for the team and create space for other players and essentially work your way into the game. So well, yeah, well that, you know, that, that,
0: that yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Actually, that's just after springing to my mind. If if a cornerbacks come out to play centre back, then the mm-hmm. centre backs probably got into the corner and you could actually take him to the cleaners in there because he wouldn't like marking. But Waterford were never able to do that with the system they had.
1: No and they yeah. were allowing what they were invariably doing there was putting the man marker on Gleason, and then allowing their centre back who probably probably more natural hurler to work as a sweeper
0: there you go Yeah, no
1: brainer no brainer from Cork's perspective from yeah. I think it comes back to the Waterford style is actually forcing their hand there
0: yeah so putting back centre forward under a different system and we might see a different uh, marker um, uh, player completely at centre forward you mentioned Bubbles Bubbles is a good one um, in that we talk about him a lot Damien Hayes loves mentioning Bubbles in that he's the best wrists that he's uh, seen like in the top few in the game With the wrists, and it is like when Damien kind of said this to me, it's just effortless with Bubbles the way he strikes the ball um, over the bar. He got, I think it was his first point where he, Tommy Walsh was up on his back and he shook him off and pushed him away and stuck it over. And he, it said in the commentary then that he stuck his fist up to the crowd. And like, I mean, that's what you want to see from Bubbles, like a really, really up for it, because sometimes because of his style of play, you think he's just kind of at his ease.
1: Yeah, I think it's getting that out of him consistently is Bubbles' fault. No one. No one for one second questions his ability. I think he's been lazy in that perspective from his own his own approach to the game. It's like, look, sure, I'm class. Like you know, yeah, right. you know, I don't need to bring that side to it. But you do bubbles. You know, it's it's you know, he just needs to get a little bit fitter too. He's always he's borderline in terms of his fitness and, and carrying a few pounds. So not, you like you like see him get a little bit trimmer and just you know bring that work rate. And if he brings that work rate. And, and that intensity, even on the ball, you know that he, can, he shows he can do it. But uh, Bubbles' problem has, in, in the last couple of seasons is that he's obviously it's very frustrating playing corner forward. But when you're only getting the odd ball, and then you're trying to sh- force a shot every single time you get it, you know a cornerback knows exactly what you're going to do, and and will shoot you out or shut you out a lot 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 easier. Whereas yesterday his movement was much better. He was getting across the field. Um, from left to right corner forward and that's where he picked up I think it was his, his, his third or fourth I think it was his fourth point down the line you know he completely lost his marker so you know that it was a really good good step in the right direction for Bubbles yesterday and something that uh, you know it, it's, it's a work in progress for Sheedy because now we need to see a little bit more consistency for him but he is he's obviously class you just need to bring that other side of the game if you want to play consistently well at the top at the county level
0: yeah exactly Conor Delaney um, they were raving about him on League Sunday um, he was compared to JJ Delaney um, now we got a hard time of it against Limerick. So, like, I'm not on the Conor Delaney. I'm a big fan of Hugh Lawler. Now, I've put my st- I've put it, I've backed everything. I've backed my reputation on Hugh Lawler. And I'm, only, I'm only joking. But Conor Delaney and Hugh Lawler are the same. They're converted wing backs, are they? So you'd want to see, obviously, him doing it on more consistently. He was obviously excellent um, yesterday. But for me, I'm not. I know Jackie Terrell was saying we have the full back position uh, sorted now. I wouldn't be so quick as to say that. But like, no, I wouldn't be as
1: quick to say that either. But now it's not often William you know I did this I put him on the the player of the week not often I'll put it back now on it but (laughs) I was was impressed with his performance yesterday what I like about him is that he was patient you know it was shown last night he got back a couple of times with flicks there's obviously a fine line in that you know he, he could have been not getting that flick in it could have been an easy score but he has nice shape to him in terms of He's good, broad shoulders. He has yeah. pace. He has everything that you need for a modern game. Hugh Lawler did play well in a couple of rounds, but physically, he's not as imposing there. Maybe as, as Connor Delaney, you need to bring a, a lot of attributes to that full-back position. And in the modern game, you have to be used to being exposed as well, because you know full forwards again are fast now and they're out in front as well as being physical. You know, you, you're you know, you're looking at the likes John Conlon maybe or. Um, even and Glenn, obviously after something different so you know these full forwards are handfuls at the moment so I thought he was excellent yesterday you have to you have to give him credit for the way he held yesterday Jury's still out I think. I think maybe Jackie knows more than he's he's yeah. closer to the scene than we are but um you know I'd like to see another couple against him but uh, I was impressed man. I probably did see more from him yesterday than I did from Hugh Lawler
0: yeah no and that's a, that's important to point out Jackie would know him a hell of a lot better um, than we would so you know t- to be making a, a comment like that but I do like that I do like that uh, comment from you he has the look of a good full back <laughs> like, and he does he looks like he fits there doesn't he he just kind of looks yeah there. he
1: does and I remember the first time I seen him was in a league game Kilkenny against Offaly and he just stood out to me and I, I remember ringing one of the Kilkenny lads and saying who's that guy like tell me more about him because I was actually really impressed with him, and he's never pushed on this is two or three years ago. And it's like, right. oh, hmm, maybe I, I didn't see anything, and maybe I was daydreaming, maybe I was just brutal that day, but uh, I just liked, as you said, the look at him. and yeah. uh, you know so I, you know watch this space
0: yeah no exactly uh, a man who didn't ever have the look of a good full back is Parik Walsh even though he could do a job in there he just didn't fit there he didn't look this is wrong this is wrong he should not be in everything there. wrong about it yeah
1: <laughs> I fully agree with you he's been screaming get me out of here for the last couple of years sure even when he was playing full back yesterday he'd be ro- or last year he'd be flying up the field and trying to score points it's yeah. hilarious really
0: yeah and like I mean Conor Delaney would be doing him a big favour because a lot of the time I'd say with Brian Cody so many people were telling him to take Walsh out that he'd be like don't be telling me what to do and it was probably working against <laughs> do you know like managers could get like that like no I've made this call now and the more you're the more Pundits and experts try to tell him it's not working the more he'll double down and say, Well it'll work you know, that kind of way. But like I mean I
1: suppose he'd done it with JJ then as well, obviously. Yeah. JJ was you know, arguably be the best wing back in the game along with Tommy. And you took JJ from wing back and you played him at full back and he had a couple of teething problems initially going back in there, but eventually he, he worked himself in to be the, the best full back in the game, so I suppose he thought himself I've done this before. I invariably I'm trying to make sure that we're not exposed to full-back and I'm going to put my best hurler there and he will work there but um, the problem with Park full-back apart from everything is he's so going ho to the ball that if he if he doesn't win it he does leave it wide open in there you
0: know right okay interestingly enough that uh Brian Cody gets all the credit for converting JJ into a fullback. but what JJ told us on the podcast last year is that Conor Lehan retired him from wingback with an awful roast, yeah. and I think it was in a league game, in a league game. So I'm, I'm, JJ thinks he might have been relegated into that fullback rather than this brilliant master, master switch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dermot, Dermot Ryan is the last one. Uh, like I mean, he was outstanding. I've talked him up. He's been on this performance of the weekend nomination before. Seems to have absolutely everything. Um, for a wing forward great, ca- great at carrying the ball can take a score like I said last time has a bit of divilment in him and he's a big he's a big man like I mean and they haven't really noticed David Reedy really being um, gone this year at all with the emergence of this fella
1: yeah he's been super uh, really impressed with him and now the only thing do you know what will finish the package for him will what a, a good Cooper helmet. This, <laughs> this 2 tone helmet now is wrecking me head. So, boys and Claire, will you get him a nice helmet? Simple colour, blue, please, or whatever. And uh, none of this underage uh, 2 tone helmets. Uh, not for that now at all.
0: Why is this a young, young underage fashion thing? The two, the two colours. Uh,
1: yeah, it would have been a big thing from the young lads coming up. But no, come on now, you have to look to parts if you're going to be a, a top-class intercounty hurler. So will someone get him a single colour there please
0: see this is just the insights that I can't see in a match that you you know what I mean that you can see so that's the that's the difference I don't know who I'm going to give it I don't know who I'm going to give it to oh um, I
1: think Dermot Ryan I just think he was he for me I'm going with Dermot Ryan four points in play he's doing it consistently well for a guy that's breaking onto the team and of all the names you've named there I think uh, as you said he's been on it a couple of weeks now so for me it's Dermot
0: Ryan Okay we'll go with Dermot Ryan so you're the expert so we'll go it's not often I ask somebody else to pick performance of the weekend but you've carried the show on your own Brian so you deserve that kind of reward of picking
1: <laughs> Double the Double bubble this week boys thanks very much
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> There you go yeah exactly so you might have to start negotiating with me now here now at the end of the month Right come here thanks very much Brian and we'll be back on Thursday with a preview show as usual Good luck
1: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to
0: go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and
1: we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. It's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.